So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 2021, the Running Rugby Podcast is back again. I know you guys missed us. It hasn't been that long since we've been away. It doesn't feel like we've had a proper full off-season. It feels, it's good. It feels like the, the boys are back. They're getting ready. Super Rugby AU. Bit of trans-Tasman competition coming our way a bit later in the year, but it all kicks off with Super Rugby AU in just a short while as well as some Six Nations already kicking off uh, up in the Northern Hemisphere. I am joined by Toby and Leo once again. Uh, hopefully at some point this year we'll be in the same room, boys, but how are you feeling for, for another year of Super Rugby? Ready. There's going to be a lot of change for some teams this year. It's going to be really interesting to see how they evolve, see see some of the teams introduce some new players, see what the, the Western Force multinational squad uh, how they come together. There's there's some serious talent in that side now, and they were very busy challenging the other super sides last year. Very interesting to see how they how they line up and and combine. Yeah, and I think after a disrupted 2020, it's just nice to have some positive energy around rugby with you know Channel Nine coming on board and and taking the television rights and almost a, yeah a relaunching of of the Super Rugby AU season for its second season and you know we don't know what things are going to look like next year but it's full speed ahead with this current format and yeah I'm psyched for it. Absolutely and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the format and some of the law variations similar to last year with some um, added sort of changes again coming into 2021 season. Before we jump into that I did mention it Six Nations has kicked off already last weekend. Uh, we had a couple of games Going ahead, a couple of blowout results and some really close ones. So, starting off, France was taking on Italy down there in Rome, 50-10, to 10, as you'd expect. And, and the public are already coming out and asking for whether Italy needs to be relegated from the Six Nations. So, uh, as usual, after a first round of the Six Nations, it's the, the same storylines. Probably the bigger story is, one, Scotland taking down England at Twickenham which has been a long time coming. I believe it's over 30 years since the last time they won down in there in Twickenham. And Wales, despite a disappointing 2020 campaign, uh, have come out and managed to take down Ireland at home in Cardiff, though they were helped by a red card to Peter Omani in the 14th minute of that game as well. Yeah, and I think reminiscing that red card a bit of that Sakopi Kepu clean-out that we saw up in um, Edinburgh a few years back. You know, direct contact with the head, and these days you just can't get away with that. So, definitely changed the the context of that game. Um, you know, Ireland were doing fairly well early on, but Wales, there you go. They Wayne Pivak is starting to get some wins on the board, so that will hopefully alleviate some of the pressure on him. And obviously, in the other game, England and Scotland, what a what a ball over that is. You just don't see those sorts of results very much at Twickenham. Obviously, England have been pretty powerful under Eddie Jones the last five years or so. And, yeah, Scotland look like they're, they're suddenly gaining some confidence and putting some better performances together. And maybe they're, they're a bit of a dark horse in this tournament. Any predictions on who you'd pick for the winner of Six Nations this year? It's hard after one round. I'd love to see France win it. I think, you know, they're such a young, up-and-coming, exciting team. And... We saw a lot of good things from them last year. And, yeah, hopefully they can go one step further and, and win the title. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of the same. Um, I'd, I'd probably add to that. It'd just be nice to see England just spiral a bit, just just not ever really get it together, <laughs> be in some games yeah. and then fall apart. Let um yeah. <laughs> let, let old Clive chime in and just rib Eddie Jones about how his coaching's going, just throwing a bit more shade from 2003. 
guys living off the off the winnings of that year. Good, good to see that we've uh, remained unbiased uh, again in 2021. We're starting off strong here. <laughs> hey, we're usually negative France, but they're actually they, they've got character and they've got youth and they've got like an exciting style of rugby now. So, you know, gone are the days where they were just a bunch of cheats, squirrel gripping and eye gouging in the in the rucks, like you know, and and just grinding out matches. This this is a team that's playing expansive, exciting form of the game, and you know, they're they're earning earning the commendations that they're receiving and they showed it in what feels like the you know this feels like the third six nations of the last 12 months right it like they were doing this in the last two six nations that they 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 ran and there's no reason why they won't keep going Mm. i think that just as we talked about i think end of last year the the kind of the way that they've grown their their grassroots programs and the kids coming through, like it's starting to pay off now after 10 years or so of reinvestment into that that platform. And there's more pref- professionalism, I think, around rugby in France in the last few years and the fitness they're showing and mm. commitment to their training. And, you know, there's always going to be that, that push and pull with some of the private clubs there in France, but the national team is really coming together well now. And that's great timing building into their next host uh, opportunity for the Rugby World Cup 2023. Um, Australia, obviously, I think we've got the campaign for 2027 going hard at the moment. It's nice to see countries building structurally really well, grassroots programs lifting. Like, that's a good story. And if they play well in that World Cup, like, that's the sort of thing hopefully Australian rugby is getting its uh, its plans back into gear with this new administration and big plans ahead of hopefully winning that hosting rights you got six years to build and really dominate and i think it's been a turning point ever since dave rennie came in last year and then there was a changing of the guard in terms of management at rugby australia and i think things are just looking far better um over the last 12 months 18 months or so since the the world cup in 2019 i think there's been a really a new page turned in australian rugby and there's a lot more attention around the game we've got games on free to air now which everyone's going to love and yeah, I think it's just going to boost rugby up the ranks in terms of popularity and hopefully into that 2027 tournament if we do secure it in Australia. I think that's going to be huge. Absolutely. Let, let's come back to um, Australia then with Super Rugby AU. Obviously, same format as last year with uh, uh, home and away games between the five teams with a semi-final and a final um, two playing three and then playing one. Um most of the law changes from last year have been maintained with a few extra ones. So I think we've been talking about this, the the red card um, being too big of a disadvantage for teams. It's now been changed to 20 minutes with uh, 14 men and then you are able to bring another player on. Obviously the player red carded it out for the game, but you only have 20 minutes with a player down. So... Uh, potentially less impact on the game considering how often red cards are becoming. The other thing that we have seen uh, come in is an increase in sort of free kicks giving as well um, from things like kicking out on the full, not giving you a scrum option, only a free kick, uh, tap or kick um, option for that, as well as a use it sort of call from the ref that I think has sort of been in and out of the game previously, but it's actually part of the law now. Um, the ref will give you a, a call to use it, and I believe you have a couple of seconds to use it, otherwise it can be a free kick to the other team as well. Some of those laws have been adopted by Super Rugby Aotearoa, which we'll probably talk about more um, once we come up to their first round, but they're ones that have ad- adopted the goal line dropout laws uh, to negate so many sort of five-metre scrums. They've adopted that red card law, as I said, and the other one they've adopted that Australia hasn't is a captain's referral where um, their captain's able to go to the TMO to challenge the decision leading up to a try um, or if there's suspected foul play. Um, and that's in the first 75 minutes of the game. And then in the last five minutes, it opens up even more um, for them to challenge more calls uh, on the ref side. It's only one a game. And if you if you get it correct, you get to hold on to it. Um, but if you get it wrong, you lose your captain's referral for the game. So just clear this up for us, Arch, if you know. 
the the captain's referral is retained indefinitely if you keep getting it right, or it's sort of a one and then one extra if you if you're right. As far as I've read, it's retained indefinitely. But the language right. they used made it sound like it was gonna be difficult to get things um, overturned. It's it's for absolute blinders and um, big yeah, things that have missed, like board yeah. passes or you know someone steps out and and that's they it. Somehow there was a knock like... on just before the try that no one yeah. sort of copped on those sort of so things. I think we've seen that sort of uh, system used reasonably well um, in cricket, but maybe because in cricket they have too many opportunities, too many to use, you get people just doing speculative uh, referrals. You know, that's they're sort of willing to waste one if they've got another one. Whereas this is going to be much more, um, you know, one and one and done. And I guess you know there'll be, I'm sure there'll be times in games when they don't even bother using it. Mm. But I, I, I like the idea, and it's always interesting to see how teams um, sort of uh, decide how to use it strategically, like whether they're just always going to hold on to it to the death when the game like, is clearly played out. Like there's only, it's, it's obvious um, sort of how much room for error there is, how many points behind or ahead you are and how important that call is. If you use it early and it's wasted, you'd be pretty disappointed. You don't want just a situation like in the cricket with Shane Watson, how he used to just use it um, willy-nilly <laughs> on himself. And, you know, having... A captain, I guess, that has good judgment and knows when to pull the trigger on something like that's important. And then having communication within the team if someone sees something to actually trust them and, and go forth and actually challenge the play. I think it's an added element to the game of excitement, I think, for the crowd in some ways. We've seen in the Australian Open, seen in cricket, obviously, and I think it can work to rugby's advantage. I think the fact that you only get one, I mean, people are going to be, I think they're going to be careful with how they use it and it's not going to slow down the game too much. So I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. And as, as with all these things, there'll be teething problems as it comes in. Um, but I'm sure you'll see towards the end of a season and whether we do adopt it when we get that trans Tasman competition or not, um, will still yet to be seen. Um, but it may be a significant advantage if the Kiwis are used to using something like that. I think the other benefit of developing some of these new rules now is the the competitions are somewhat in flux you know that we've lost the history of super rugby you know super 10 12 14 15 18 whatever like now these are really like i don't know if anyone sees them as these are the competitions for the future these are going to be around for decades this is still somewhat of an interim solution until um the international rugby community can all get back online and back to the normal so it's the perfect time to trial these things in these little sort of like small small pond competitions where you can really see how, and obviously the Southern Hemisphere teams um, being, you know, pretty experienced across the board in, in coaching and management, they can, they can really test a lot of them without feeling like they could end up spoiling this historic competition and that year being a kind of got an asterisk next to it or something because it was spoiled by a new rule. I feel like there's more room for it now and maybe they'll come to a nice balance before things get back to relative normal. All right, boys, let's jump into some of these squads for Super Rugby AU. Um, I think we'll, we'll start with the champions from last year, the ACT Brumbies, and we've had probably the least sort of turnover there of many of these teams, there's been a lot of, lot of turnover and a lot of changes going around. Um, but for the Brumbies boys, do you, do you reckon this is a uh, steady as she goes? These guys are going to go into this season favorites again for a title. I think so. They, they've lost a few players who m- most of our uh, listeners would recognize. I'm sure. Um, but probably from areas in the team where they had some good depth. Uh, so, like the the second row, they had a, a number of different players that they. I think they everyone got a got a run last year between Murray Douglas, Blake Anova, who actually he might have been injured, uh, Nick Frost, Kevin Neville, and Darcy Swain all all got a run, and they lose a couple of those. But you've still got uh, Frost and Neville and Swain there along with some new guys. So you know you're not you're not completely you're not forced into a completely new pairing like other sides. 
Um, and then in the back row, they lose Will Miller and Lockie McCaffrey, who weren't uh, weren't starting every game consistently. Will Miller was was right there and about, but um, the Brumbies have so much back row depth, I don't think that stings them too hard. So, yeah, they're in a spot where they've turned over a few uh, older players, some guys going overseas, um, and they're in a good spot to blood some new players with a good core around them. Hmm. I think that's fair. I mean... It- Will Miller, I know he retired, obviously. We were sad to see that because I think he was just almost hitting his straps um, from a from a rugby perspective and he'd, he'd pretty much solidified that position at seven even for the Brumbies. But, you know, you have other other commitments outside of rugby that he needed to attend to and we respect that. Um, but, yeah, who knows? We might see him again down the track if he changes his mind. But um, you're right, Leo, the, the Brumbies back row... I think the only issue they could have, maybe if they, if Rob Valentini, for example, has more injury problems, um, if Samu is not quite firing like he does, he he kind of can go missing, I guess, sometimes for periods of time in the season. Um, but I think overall they're pretty well placed across the team. Um, Joey Powell moving on, obviously, but a couple of capable guys to s- step in there with Isaac Fines and, and Lonigan. So. Yeah, it's not too many holes I can really poke in the Brumbies setup. I think Tavita Kurindrani might That's what get I a new lease on life Tavita. at the force. Um, I'm sad to see him go. Yeah, but is it, does it feel weird that he time. won't be there in the Brumbies? I would have thought. He's, he and, seems like a career Brumby, I would have always thought. Yeah, and you've got to think that that's been maybe forced a little bit by the emergence of Ikitao, um, which we haven't seen. We haven't seen a lot of him, um, but we know that he was in the Wallabies setup ahead of Kurandrani. So that seems like someone that they're pushing through in the number 13 jersey. And Kurandrani, I think he had played early on in his career some games on the wing. But really, his position is outside centre. And he's, if he's not going to get to start there week to week, there's probably no need to have him on your roster in some ways. So I think the force, that's a good pick-up for them. I think he's still got a couple of good years in him. But, um, you know, he's in the Brumbies set up for a long time. So... He'll always be seen, I think, as, you know, historically a pretty key Brumby in this last decade. And, um, yeah, they're probably unlucky not to get a couple of titles back in the early 2010s. So we wish him well. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see with the emergence of a few of the younger guys in the back line. Tom Wright, I think Muirhead's done really well. So Pulu moving on as well is almost no surprise because of, you know, he's almost being kept out of the 15 there. Um so Brumbies, I just have faith in their coaching setup, really, and the the way they grow their talent, I think, is probably the best, apart from the Reds, maybe the best in the country. So I think you'll see a lot of these guys that were quite fresh last year stepping up and taking it to another level. And we get a couple of good revenge matchups as well, with Kurudrani going to the force and running against the new young hotness, and then Joe Powell at the Rebels trying to lift their spirits and, you know, pairing up with someone like Matt Tamua coming up mm. against a, a fairly young pairing that the Brumbies will inevitably field. That's, you know, there's plenty to look forward to there. Any key players you've got your eye on to make a bit more of a statement this year? Um, from a Brumbies perspective, I think Darcy Swain is someone I've had my eye on for a while. I even think Caden Neville has potential to step on play for the Wallabies. He showed some pretty good form last year. So I think from their second row perspective, um, they could really emerge as a couple of key guys, as well as Nick Frost. I think he's got talent. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, as I said, there's a lot of good guys in that team. So I think you, you will see some guys that, yeah, are going to surprise you. I, I want to see Valentini get out on the paddock fewer injuries and, and more explosive, like more impact, like a really destructive ball runner. Um, don't know if he's trying to model his game on someone as dynamic as Artie Severe, but like that's that's the kind of dynamic ball running I'll hope to see out of someone in this back line. Maybe, maybe Jerome Brown brings some of that, I don't know. And then I, I never really saw much of Lenny Kitao. Like it, I, it surprised me that it was in the Wallabies squad last year. Um, at the omission of a few other people. So really, I, I, I would like to see a lot out of him, like sort of expecting big things if he if he is the reason that Kurudrani's moved on because they've ex- they're expecting to start him. 
I expect someone who's you know good enough to move TK out because TK is a quality player even as he's getting on a bit. Mm. Unfortunately, we won't see Tom Wright for at least the first six weeks. It looks like. Uh, with a lower limb sort of bone bruise, it sounds like it's going to keep him out. Mac Hansen got the start on the wing with Muir headed in their trial versus the Force. Um, and he's had some sort of moments, obviously kicking a game-winning penalty against the Reds, I believe, last year. Um, he's a guy that is a bit expansive in play and can make some things happen, so he may look to try and take on this opportunity. He has potentially to get a few starts under his belt. Let's go on and talk about the force. You said TK's already headed over there. We already sort of have joked about this team is a multicultural sort of bonanza of players coming from different clubs in Australia, coming from overseas, coming from Argentina, all the way from the Northern Hemisphere, uh, from Ireland, all over the place. Boys, what what do you expect out of the force this year? It's really difficult to to think what might come from this team like that there's there hasn't been a coaching change right tim sampson was yeah, there no, he's still there yeah last year which actually is common of all our super teams everyone's retained the same coach so you would hope that the culture and the um the uh, strategy out of these coaches you know they've got new players but they've got a a, con- a, con- a continuity um of of intent of what they want to do with their side. And I, I would imagine the coaches are pretty well tied into the recruitment as well. So, I mean, to me, with with employing some of these um, Argentinian guys, particularly like Lazana, very aggressive, Madrano, aggressive, like big, big hard-hitting guys, like they, they're going to put their mark on the game. Uh, the Cabelli-Miotti combination... Uh, in the halves there, like that, that may not be the start because you've still got John O'Lance around as well. Ian Pryor, last year's captain, is still there as well. Yeah. But you know, you've got a lot of options to get more physical and get more dynamic. And then all these different guys from um, from basically d- different international sides between Kurandrani and Carney, um, and you know Tony Pulu, we didn't see a lot of at the Brumbies. Like they've got a lot to offer as well to work them in amongst it's very um, hard to try and put together like a starting lineup from this team like it's really they could go sort of quite a few different ways they need to probably balance all this experience because there's a lot of a lot of the guys they brought in have played you know internationals like a a significant number of internationals right and you could just throw all those guys in and i none of them to me look like they're washed up old internationals but you could definitely overdo it with experience over you know, youth and, and yeah. you know, dynamic players like Byron Ralston. Like, I wouldn't want to see him pushed out by Tony Pulu unless Pulu's playing absolute blinders every week. Like, he was one of the exciting players last last year. Jack McGregor as well. He's going to be fighting for his spot with Rob Carney. Mm. Uh, you got the halves all going to be fighting for positions as well. Got Kahui and Godwin are going to be trying to keep TK on the bench. Like, that, a lot of that's got to be fleshed out. I think the thing that they want to, they'll probably want to keep is... Um, just that mindset that they can win any game. They, they've pushed all these teams last year. They've bolstered their their stock. They've probably now got the bench depth that maybe they didn't have last year. And yeah. if they can find the right balance of these experienced guys and also the the core from last year, like it's just like you've just brought in these reserves. If you get them on the same page, great things could happen. It's just it's remarkable you know, the amount of experience that's come in with guys that are around the age of 30 that have played internationally that can offer a lot, I think. And, you know, when you're looking at a back line that could could be potentially, if you made some changes, it could be Cabelli, Miotti, Kahui, Kurandrani, um, Tony Pulu with Ralston, and then you have Rob Carney at the back. So just some like big names club there. Team. Yeah, it's, it is. It does have the look of more of a European squad. Um which I kind of like because I think the last year the force were, although they had a few guys that had, um, you know, more of a name come in last year, this is just taking it to a whole nother level. That's it. Um, yeah. In terms of getting people there, interested like, in this club, like they've got a lot more in terms of name value players, people that people will mm. recognize. But I think Leo's right. Like in terms of you don't want to sacrifice your 
homegrown talent and then the players that are going to stick around for multiple years yeah. as opposed to these guys that may be one and, or two years. And also from a, from a Wallabies perspective, you know, there is some young talent that needs to be nurtured there, like you say. Um, but I think it's about finding combinations, really getting that chemistry working with so many changes um, to their roster. But there's a huge amount of potential there. I think they've probably they showed that already in their trial game. Um, just think the level of experience is so handy to have. And we've, we've even seen that from Pryor before. Like Ian Pryor was one of the more experienced guys that was holding that team together when they were more of a no-name team. And now you've almost brought guys in at every position that can offer the same thing. So hopefully they all get along and they all cooperate and I reckon they can go far in this tournament. I think their weak spot, if there was a weak spot, is probably hooker maybe and, and just a bit thin at lock. Because, ready, bro. Yeah, <laughs> ready's. I don't know if ready's well, ready. He's ready. He's um. He looks less ready every <laughs> he's every preseason. Been ready. He was born ready. <laughs> he's born ready. He's um. Yeah, like like he he can he can play, but is he gonna keep up with his competition? When you think about what the other sides are fielding, there's four really good young hookers getting around the other four sides, and Andrew Ready is not on the same tier as those guys, but. You know, you look at the back row they can field. They can field Stander, Lazana, and Fergus Lee Warner. Like that is a that's a pretty punchy back row. Yeah. With, with a good range of skills, you've still got Jeremy Thrush there being a mm. being a pain in the ass in the lock. Like he was huge last year. He held them together. He was that attitude and that um, that real menacing presence in the middle there. Um, you know, get a couple of big boys around him in the locks and and. You know they've got a whole range of scrummages to choose from in the front row. Um, bring in Madrano and Robertson, like just just they can go in many different ways, and and I think they're they're going to threaten sides at different times. I I think they they maintain that mental strength and, and keep themselves in games mentally. I think they'll they'll keep themselves in um, and win games against some of the other sides when they're not on their day. It may just be a situation where they've got to stay healthy given some of the veterans they have and I mean it's a pretty in terms of the AU season it's a condensed season so hopefully that's not going to hurt them too much it's whether we get to the the second portion of the trans-Tasman competition whether that's going to be where they're flailing a bit if they they pick up some injuries along the way. Let's go on to the Rebels and it's probably one of the more interesting um, team lists to sort of look through because it, it has that air of They've lost a lot of big-name players. They've brought a lot of players up from sort of local and club level, um, a lot of younger players, and not sort of done those big spends that we've seen in the Rebels of past years or sort of a Waratah-esque sort of normal spend to bring in big players from overseas or other clubs. Yes, they've got Powell um, in from the Brumbies, but really it's him... Um, That's the only person I know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, some the, of the sevens guys list. though, like Gerald Skelton. I know, but uh, really, that's it. Compared there's quite a few past, sevens like players that are getting a go. Oh, yeah, Lewis Holland, Lockie Anderson. Um, yeah, that's the thing that excites me. Like that, that's bringing in more um, again dynamics, skill sets. Like the, the the Rebels were a team of of star, almost utility players, like guys who could play wing, who could play center, maybe slip to fullback. You know, not just Hodge. Like everyone was a bit of a jack of all, and and these guys are jacks of all. But if they're if they're moving out of the sevens program and trying to lock up a spot uh, in the Rebels, I'm I'm hoping they use that to to start developing specialists rather than rather than just you know continuously pumping you know a backline full of utilities. Hmm. I think that as well, the club is just they've financially had some problems. I think they're still privately owned, aren't they? Um, yeah, at this. So there's, there are challenges with that, and I think they just have overspent during the last five years and not got the payoff at all. And so now they're probably approaching it from a different point of view and maybe trying to yeah build through the younger. It's more copying a Brumbies of, or Reds model, isn't it? Yeah, trying to exactly bring up your own sort of homegrown talent. This is a team that finished third last year in Super Rugby AU. Do you where do you see them sort of coming in this year? Do you think they're they're possibly in that top three, or would you be surprised to see them there at the end of the season? 
Yeah, I think they're, they're going to be battling it out for fourth and fifth. I think even, oh, it's tough to say at this moment, but I don't see them finishing That's what we get paid to do, Toby. We've got to make these calls early. And I then... don't get, I, based on this roster, I think the back line looks decent. I think they may struggle again up front. I just don't see the quality in their pack, particularly in the front five. I, I mean, that's... they've got some of these players that emerged last year, like Pone Famasili, Cameron Orr yeah. sort of had some bigger games. Trevor Hosea, obviously, rewarded with the Wallabies squad selection. A lot of people calling for him <clears> to get it um, on the park for them. And they still have, again, like a quite a large selection in the back row, obviously backed with Izzy Naitarani, who's probably got something to prove this year um, to some of the Wallabies sort of coaches and naysayers for his for his abilities hmm. this, this is a I team still, still think they'll finish fourth or fifth yeah this, this, this is a team that saying. doesn't have strength across the board this is a team where you're looking for individual players to step up and become leaders and be really um, sort of instrumental in, in dragging some other lesser guys up to just, just a level where they're competitive like they don't have stars across the board, even though they, you know, we felt like they did previous years. Uh, I think Matt Phillip going is a huge loss. Like Trevor Hosea with Matt Phillip, massive potential there. But now the, the second row is decimated. That there's not a really, um, there's not a really good mm. combination there. Like maybe maybe uh, Ignacio Callas from uh, has come across as Jaguars, but he was often kept out. Um, by the other Argentinian starters, so you know that that's that's a spot where Hosea and Nicerani are going to need to try and get those those sort of back row and, and yeah. tight five going, um, because God knows Richard Hardwick isn't going to do it, <laughs> and Michael Wells quality play, but he's the sort of guy. He, Michael Wells is probably the benchmark, right? If you can play as like a good Michael Wells, then if everyone's running at that level. And then you have the the individual senior guys lift. That that's probably gets you to third. I don't think. But that just screens mediocrity. Like it's just. It's, but that's yeah. what I mean. Like this is a team that's not built. And it's and it's again competitive with the Brumbies and the Reds yet. So it's again one of those things. A and, couple of key injuries, and they're going to be scrambling quickly. But it's an opportunity for a, a few players to emerge. Like as a couple of those players you just mentioned that we had never heard of at the start of last year. And then suddenly they're yeah, sort of your key players. So, and the Rebels are notorious fast starters. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if things do go south early on for Dave Vessels. Can he get things together and recover? Because we've seen in previous years their consistency has been a problem. And Wessels, who's in the second year of the two-year extension he got a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he, uh, we don't know his future beyond this year, and we were talking about him very much being on the rack last year. So, you know, is he is he is he kicking off his final year as the coach at the moment with a you know a rebuild squad? Is he the guy to do that? Is he going to see see out you know the development of this group into the future years? I I don't know. It kind of feels like. If he can get something out of them, it's still probably a long shot that he sticks around. Yeah, agree if I, yeah, I think odds are it's maybe the last yeah, are, It's of... just not a squad that he's going to go out with a bang. No, and so no. is he ready to restart the development process after spending a lot of someone else's money and not achieving what he probably I'd... thought he could? Yeah, and I think that's a commercial thing. I, I think he overperformed with the force and got a lot of good performances out of a squad that people weren't particularly, you know, pumping up too much back a few years ago, came to the Rebels. And ever since then, it's really been a tale of two seasons every time. It's like they, they play really well and then it just falls apart and they really haven't had the, the any sort of final success that I think that the, the money they've spent demands. Yeah. And I think that's going to come back to haunt him. Um, I mean, it comes... at the end of this year. It comes down to that a couple of seasons ago when they spent up, they got Genia and Quaid to come in and that was their sort of feeling. They were going to ticket and ride all the way into the playoffs, started hot five games in a row and then just sort of collapsed. Mm. Absolute all-star roster the... for a couple of years there and and he couldn't get the best out of them. Mm. So I think given 
the people he has now. Surely, he's, I mean, maybe he's going to overperform again and save himself, but I think it's going to be difficult. Let's go up north to the Reds. And Leo, why don't I, as the resident Reds lover on this podcast, do you want to take us through? What, what do you think of this squad this year? It's, it's a fairly stable squad, really, isn't it? Uh, before I do anything, I'm just going to pour one out for Liam Wright, who suffered a, an ankle injury and is yeah. going to be out for 10 weeks after the trial on the weekend. So um, big love to Wrighty. I'm sure he'll be there um, leading from the sidelines. But, um, you know, that's 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 terrible in a in a 10-week uh, Super Rugby AU season. Yeah. Like, that's that's a big loss. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a good bloke, and I think he's got the respect of the team. They'll... They'll be listening to every word when he's running water or whatever he's able to do in his rehab. Um, so yeah, no, that that's really disappointing. But it brings uh, up the as... question: Who's going to be captain for them um, in the season? Yeah, well, and that's... they, th- I th- I saw a story Fraser? that said even Fraser might be yeah handed the reins well, even so as a twenty-one-year-old. Twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So wouldn't surprise me. Um, I mean, I guess you got to look at who else is there. A lot of the guys um, in the forwards are. Toilers, they're all, um, you know, they're a good group. I don't know if Angus Blythe is a is a leader that that sort of stands out to Brad Thorne. Um, he's sort of like, you know, he's not one of the really, um, he's not a Taniella in your face, maybe giving away some penalties. Um, he maybe is in a more stable position there where he can be in the ref's ear. Um, is someone like Tate ready for that? Is Bryce Hegarty going to start or, or O'Connor that, that, that one of them could do it? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting, actually, to see who picks I think up. Jock, I think Jock could do it. I was even thinking Angus Scott Young, who might be locked in for that number six spot, but there's not, yeah, perhaps. not guaranteed to start. It wouldn't surprise week. me if it's Fraser McWright. It, it really wouldn't, um, since he's got the chops already, and, and he's come on so well last year. He looked um, great last year. Yeah, and he's been around this squad for a couple of years, so um, potentially not out of place because this is such a young squad. I mean, the people you've got to pick from are all pretty young. So it's it's you know it, it, if it's shocking anyone that it's someone young, they're probably not looking at the statistics and saying likelihood is this is going to be someone young. Um, but yeah, like I said, the, the Reds have got the core of their squad still around. That like we we'd already lost Harry Hawkins and Isaac Rodder <clears throat> and uh, Isaac Lucas early last year, so. Even though they're struck off the list technically, they they were never really there last year. Um, they've lost Henry Spate. They've also lost Chris Foice or Tia, so he's taken a taken a spot over in France as well. Which mm. I think he was um, maybe struggling with some injuries and struggling to really secure his spot. And with the rise of Hunter Paisami and Patea in the centres, you know they're gonna they're gonna be still. They've got Hamish Stewart floating around there as well. Josh Fluke was getting run, and then you've got heaps of like outside backs. Like they brought in Vunivalu. They yes, bolstered everywhere. That's the story. So, Tell that's, oh, the, that's, that's the one you. That's the signing of the season. He's going to be <laughs> he on could fire. Be pretty immense. So so Vunivalu. Well, it's a strong team with a lot of good core and um and some excitement machines brought in. So yeah, it's be um I'm still surprised that their team list doesn't have Harry Wilson as a number eight. He's the one. Yeah. I think he's Someone, a number. <laughs> Someone uninformed has wrote this list. So the story for people that don't know, Vunivalu, uh, is very similar to the story to Marika Korobiti just about five years later. Um, so winger with the Melbourne Storm in the Australian NRL, um, some very prolific try-scoring seasons, has now decided to go back to sort of his rugby union playing roots um, and move to Queensland to try and get a career in rugby union in the Reds and potentially in the Wallabies. And a lot of people are looking at him like he might have already uh, gained a Wallabies jersey before he's even played a game for the Reds. Well, he was brought into the squad as just like a tourist, as a um, j- just for familiarity, I guess, uh, last year. So he's getting familiar with some of the guys in his back line because the Wallabies were chockers with Reds. Um, he's obviously got the skills and the and the pace and the strength. Um, like if the Reds can put the ball in his hands in the right spaces, he's just going to be a machine. He's um, quality. And and the Reds Absolute are an exciting quality. team as it is. So they've added a weapon who just seems like a really good fit to their to their setup. Um, this is a team now with with not too many 
losses from the squad. Uh, you know, horrible to lose Liam Wright, but he's one piece of a bigger machine. And with the Brumbies, you know, starting to develop some new guys, have lost a few sort of cent- centerpieces from the previous years. This is a year where they've just lost a final. They can come in here and look to really, you know, rock the Brumbies and dominate everyone else. They're, they're set up now. They've, they've got the learnings from last year. They know how it feels to play finals and lose one more step, and they're, they can be champions for sure. I think the other guy probably to look out for in the back line, Matt Greeley, there's a lot of big raps on him at fullback. He could even start there, depending on what no. Bradford wants to do. But... Jock Campbell. I don't know. I mean, Mac really is going to put pressure on him, but I think you're right. I mean, Jock's showed really good form last year or two. It's hard to displace him. Um, but that was, that was the fastest flip flop. We've seen I've him play on the wing as well. I think. Look, I think really has potential. It's just I think Jock Campbell. It's like that fullback spot. Hegarty Campbell. It was kind of up in the air about who would take that. Jock Campbell of late has had great form, but it only takes a couple of games to make changes. I think Brad Thorne's pretty ruthless. If you don't mm-hmm. if you don't show good form, he will make a change. Um, it seems as though the, the wing spots are taken with Dalgunu and Vunavalu. Yeah, Absolute that's excitement long, machines on the wing there. Um, and again we we could have that we could have the future Wallabies combination in the centres there with Paisami and Patea if he can stay healthy and the current Wallabies centre bearing. Well. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's hard for me to decide whether Paisami is truly a 12 or a 13. I, I always thought he was a 12. Then he did so well actually covering 13. Um, question whether he has the size to be there long-term at 13. But um, his decision-making, his defense is just ridiculously well, that's good. It. He stepped up a very uh, huge amount in sort of a very short period of time, taking on that 12 role at the end of the year. So it'll be exciting to see what he brings to... I would think, most likely, he's going to start with a 12 jersey rather than Hamish Stewart, as we had last year, um, at least for the first sort of part of this season. Yeah. And uh, don't don't let me get away with um, last year's hot tip, and I'm, I'm going to put it out there again, Jock Campbell to be this year's Will Jordan. I, I see the, the, the comp on that, but I just don't know if he has... Quite the talent that Will Jordan has, I think. I don't think we don't thought Will Jordan had man, the talent, and then all of a sudden, I don't know. I kind of saw that with Will Jordan as soon as he was playing, but I, you know, Jock's almost more experienced than Will Jordan, so you you wonder whether he can take it to another level. If he does, he'll be a certainty for the Wallabies squad. Absolutely, excitement machine, and let's go to the Waratahs. Again, probably ending on a little bit of a down note compared to some of the other sort of exciting teams that we've been talked about. Again, a team that's lost a huge amount of experience. Again, in the forward pack, uh, lost quite a lot of experience. Michael Hooper has gone over to Toyota Verblitz Japan. Ned Hannigan, Jed Holloway, Rob Simmons, Tom Stanisforth, Tom Robinson, we didn't mention before, has gone over to the fourth. Damien Fitzpatrick has left as hooker. And then, obviously, they're still sort of rejigging and finding the perfect fit in that back line. Um, obviously, Kurtley Beal leaving midway through last season and Carmichael Hunt disappearing this year, too. Mm. Huge amount of turnover. And we've had some stories come out in the paper in the last week or so calling into the question the, the Waratahs' culture as well, which hasn't helped. And that's come from certain comments that former players have made. Um, namely Jed Holloway, I think, and also Tom Robertson at the force now. And, yeah, it's hard to tell whether that's just, you know, disgruntled former players, you know, having a chip at, at either, you know, the coach at Rob Penny or at the organisation itself. Tim Rapp has also left recently um, from New South Wales Rugby and there were some calls made by the media that maybe he was clashing with Rob Penny as well. So it's hard to know exactly what's going on there. We just hope that that doesn't impact if there is actually a cultural problem there at all. Hopefully that doesn't impact the performance on the field and and this team with the amount of turnover can kind of grow together and and improve the culture if there is a problem. I'm not sure. Like, I find it frustrating to have a story like that come out where it's like, oh, you know, there's issues with the culture and we, we don't get any 
amount of detail to suggest that it's you know player versus player or it's a management structure versus playing squad and coach or it's just like it just introduces basically infinite possibilities to people's minds and that's just a distraction so almost rather it be a bit more targeted so that they can you know deal with it um what i would say is if there was any sort of um waratah's sort of sydney rugby arrogance in the playing group i I mean i don't know how they're sustaining it because some of the senior guys who've left who maybe you know felt entitled thought they could be thought they should have achieved more well the amount of um, senior players that have left like there's a lot of young guys who uh, I can't imagine have have those um, um, feelings yet because they really <clears throat> haven't had any major success and they're also yeah. trying to find their place like the Waratahs particularly in the backs they look like a team with a whole lot of more more blank well not blank canvases but just like guys who are yet to be fully molded into a position and they haven't gone and bought a bunch of um, who, superstars in, so... Who do you mean? Like, who hasn't been moulded into a position yet? Well, like, the halves are obvious. It's Jake Gordon and Will Harrison, and there may be some competition for those Captain spots. Jake. But Captain Jake Captain Gordon. Jake, that's right. Good on him. Congratulations, but, by the way. But you look out into the backs, and, like, there's four guys who could play anywhere from inside centre out to the wing if they needed to and like we're constantly switching centres and some of those guys yeah, play true. wing too and you know Maddox has been playing fullback but he's been hot and cold and maybe he was better on the wing and I just like the, I, I really want to see the Waratahs I hope they've spent the time really getting to know their playing group and and what those guys aspirations are and what their what their best um, position is and that they stick with that and again hopefully injuries don't derail that because we, we need to know who these players are we need to see them develop in one position um, in order to get a good read on them and at the moment it just it's just this massive backs who you could put you in a they, lot of different it's combinations it's almost like the, that I rebels think... problem from previous years of yeah except none of them are like you know quite the same skill really like you know when you had too many Meeks and England, uh, English and Hodge and Tamur and you know, like they were all at, at a at a tier. And these guys are young and unproven for the most part, or or just or you know, like Tepai Moreira coming in from league. Like I didn't, I don't, I don't think he's substantially better than anyone else they could pick from. So does he make? You know, he could be off the squad or he could be starting. I I really don't know. Yeah, I think my biggest concern is specialisation in those centres there. And Parise, I'm sure, again, he's probably capable of playing 13. He's definitely not a specialist 13. Similar with Maroa, he's a league back rower, played union through high school, and he's come back to that in his late 20s, you know, after playing 100 games for the Eels in the back row. Vichetti, again, probably, he's still, I think, unproven at super rugby level, really. Um, not too worried about the back three. I think as long as James Ram comes back healthy, you know, Nwanga Nitawase hopefully steps up from what he was last year. Newsom's a bit of a veteran now. And you've got, obviously, Maddox, who, again, is probably someone who hasn't realised his full potential yet, but he looked a lot better at fullback last year, at least for the, the early part of the season, made the Wallabies squad. And I think he can continue to grow into that role. Um, and I think our halves are placed well. So really, it's it's the centres for me that could be a big issue, um, particularly defensively. If if we're not defending well in those channels, we're just going to get torn apart. Um, but yeah, the, the forwards, I think, are okay. I think we can work with that. Locke is obviously still a bit of a concern, but the back row looks strong. Um, and I think the front row, given we have Angus Bell now, um, as well with Harry Johnson Holmes. I think those two, if they're starting week to week, we can get away with it in terms of depth. With Tom um, Horton. Tom Horton, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of good hookers in there. I think Dave Parecki, Horton, Cotton even. Robbie Abel's probably your, your feeling if you need him. But, yeah, it's probably lock and it's centre for me that's the biggest question mark on this team. And... I think keep your yeah, eye on Jack Wetton coming too. in from the Highlanders. Um, yeah, good point. Good played point. some games in the Northern Hemisphere. Is the well, 
It's got a father who played for the All Blacks, so he's got rugby in his blood. Um, there's yeah. already been quite a lot of positivity coming around out um, from the forward pack surrounding him. I think you'll find that he might stand up as a bit of a leader in that sort of forward pack. And he's he he's a massive unit. Like he's, yeah, he's big as not well. quite he's... traditionally as tall as a, a lock. He's not two meters. I think he's like one nine five or something. One but seven. apparently he can. Um, he's one of the few players that can bench two hundred kilos. That's right. So yeah. he's a very strong guy. And, um, yeah, I think got some good aggression about him as well. So I think it's a good addition. He's, he's actually relatively experienced. Well, I don't know if that's accurate. But anyway, I mean, either way, he, he is a, he's a strong guy in that second row who's paired, probably going to be paired with Sam Wikes, who, again, is an experienced player who's been around the traps for a while. I think that it gives us a bit of a base to work from. Then again, injuries here, I think it's really going to... That really could ruin the, the forward pack. Yeah, that's that's true. Like, there's there's potential, but it's probably 15 deep. Um, or maybe in terms of the forwards, it's, it's eight deep with the odd sub. Like, we don't have that depth in the Tars. Um, I mean, we haven't had it in the locks for... I can't even remember, but... Um, I guess the platform will just skeleton left. <laughs> yeah, potentially. So, but, but I think because at least the forwards know where they belong, the backs, there's still a lot to be worked out. I think they're still, um, they're still liable to be, you know, we'll try a different center combination, but we'll put Newsom on the wing. Cause we still want him on the field somewhere. Cause he was vice captain last year as well. Yeah, and I then all of a sudden he pushed a winger who was supposed to be developing combinations out of the way. And, I, I just don't like that. Um, so hopefully they've figured out who they're going to use where. And the forwards as a unit, I think, need to be the the foundation, as they should be for a lot of teams, but just the stability. Like, if if they keep their errors down, if their back row are aggressive and, and trouble the opposition, uh, and as long as the scrums come together and, you know, just win yours and, and don't be too focused on trying to push everyone off their own ball, don't waste your energy... Um, when you're not probably in a position to out scrummage, like that's that's then the platform for these backs to figure out who they are, and once they form some good combinations, they'll take the pressure off the forwards, and you just hope you can get that far along and and start developing some of your backup too to get that depth. The forwards need to be strong from the start because I just feel like the backs are still a mixed bag. Leo, Michael Hooper has left. At least while well, he's on sabbatical. For now. Are you yeah. excited to see what a Waratahs team looks like without Michael Hooper? Or was he still doing enough? <laughs> Is it only at, at Wallaby's level that you're, you'd prefer to see some Michael Hooper-less times? Oh, I think, like, you, you've got to build your team around who you've got. And Michael Hooper, obviously, was in a rule to the Waratahs, has been for a long time. The Waratahs don't have the specialists that you just drop them into a traditional format and go. So it, I guess I'll be very interested to see who picks up the work rate. So I think Dempsey is someone who can, you know, pick up more of the rucking work rate. I think Swinton will need to run the ball with fewer errors more often. And Will Harris was, was thereabouts last year. Um, we need to see more of him. He needs to be he's really good. imposing. He was a bit lean because he's, he's only a recent under twenties grad. So he's probably 22 or something, isn't he? Like he still he's looks a bit. 21. He's still he's, twenty. He's, the he's same, still twenty. He's the same ilk as Fraser McRide and um, Harry Wilson. That's right. He, he was he starting in that, that team quite group. often. Yeah, <clears throat> with Harry Wilson, I think. But he's only two. carrying one hundred and seven kilos, so he's he's you know middling as a middling to to light for a number eight, and I think that's something which maybe maybe that's an old figure, but as he grows, he's he needs to find ways to be more. Um, more of that line break or line, you know, crush, you know, crushing over the advantage line and getting some front football. Um, we we need that forward momentum from him in the back row, running the ball. And something like we talked about Jack Wetton already. There's another big frame. Sam White's a big frame. Like those three guys need to get the ball moving forward when the forwards are on the charge, and then when the when they're on the defensive, they need to be laying some hits. And you need guys like Dempsey and Swinton bothering the bothering the opposition so i mean dempsey's shown he's pretty proficient over the ball 
the Waratahs were pretty reliant on Ned Hannigan last year for that, so I think Dempsey's got to pick up that work workload. Mm. Um, but you know, Hooper was everywhere. Hooper was tackling everyone and and finding finding ways to support the back line in different parts of the field. So those guys need to spread out and and really um, give a hundred percent for the the 60, 70, 80 minutes that they're on the field. So, boys, predictions. Winner, top three, who are you thinking of? From what I've heard so far, we've said Waratahs and Rebels are a little bit um, underdone in terms of depth and the other three. So you have the, obviously, finalists in Brumbies and Reds from last year. Are you thinking those two plus the force are top three? I don't give the force... I don't put them in the same tier. Like, the Reds and the Brumbies showed last year, they're a different tier. They, they should be just as elite this year by comparison to these other two... I'd say other two in the Rebels and the Waratahs who are rebuilding, who okay, are so... bring, haven't brought a whole lot of talent, like, um, known um, quantified talent in. So, really, to me, it's a top two. And then number three, it could be the force because they've got think a might lot of talent. I would love to see it. Like that would, uh, it might it might break the Australian rugby model because they've turned into a, a European club and brought in all these mixed people. But um, it would, you know, it would it would put some, um, I suppose, just humble the rebels and the Waratahs who I think get about like they're as good as everyone else, maybe at, at the kind of club level, but maybe haven't earned the right um, in the last couple of years. Having said that, the the experiment over in the West might fall on its face, and it it just doesn't quite work out. These guys break down, and and they end up being wooden spooners again. So, it's it's a to me maybe it's a coin flip if the Force jump from fifth to third, but I think the the Tars and the Force there's very real prospects for them to be wooden spooning this year. So, I think that's probably the the two tiers. It's definitely top two and bottom three, with the mm. Force flipping between top and bottom of that three. So who's your winner? I think the Reds. I'm still confident from last year. Yeah. They did so many things right last year, and they've learned from that experience. They've they've had all the experiences of playing through the playoffs and now and losing. They won't be intimidated by that this time around. And the Brumbies are a little bit less than they were last year. Some of the older guys are that extra year older. Um, Reds are still coming into their prime years. Toby, you agree? Yeah, I would echo those sentiments. I think the Reds will finish top of the table, so they'll get the buy into the the final. But the Brumbies will make the qualifying final in second. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling the Force might sneak I, into that third spot. I have a feeling we might actually Brumbies. see a Force team in the final. I don't think they're going to win the tournament, but I have a feeling like. Imagine if they won it. That would be huge. Um, but it's great to see. This is That's what, what you we want. want to see. We you want, want to have unknown success in WA rugby, even if it's by virtue of the Haguaros falling apart and them snatching up some players. Um, they've made some shrewd signings, so I like it. It's a uh, I think it's at a model, time where you just sign in all the well, best players. That a little bit. Waratahs has never gone this international though, which is why it just it's got a different flavour. But I think they're almost going. They're almost going all in for this year to see whether they can make a dent in this Feels competition. Like I think that I think the the Waratahs and Rebels are in a period of time where they're slightly rebuilding. The Waratahs might be maybe slightly better than we're giving them credit for, and they showed that at times last year. But they have lost a lot of big names, so it is difficult to predict. Um, but if I'm going in order, I'd say Reds, Brumbies, Force, Waratahs, Rebels. That would be my yeah. my judgment on that. But again, things can change so quickly. That's it. A couple of key injuries to any of these teams, and it throws a spanner in the works. I think the Reds can cover Liam's right, Liam Wright's absence, given the emergence of Fraser McWright. And they do have a couple of guys that can fill in at six there in Liam Wright's absence. And obviously his leadership will be be there off the field anyway. So I think they'll be able to keep it together. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you, you lose a key playmaker or, um, you know, uh, a key forward. Like, imagine if the Rebels lost, like, Trevor Hosea or Nicerani early, you know, touch wood that, that, that somehow doesn't happen. That might lose them from, but... like, 
fifth down to shit sort fifth. of thing. Like no. it just it just takes so much of their um, their power out of them, like it, it, or their or their um, playmaking. Yeah. Um, the rebels probably have a little bit more coverage there if if Hodge and Tamur can can kind of cover one another, but um, equally. And then we talk about you know Hodge can play ju- again, row, just can't he? <laughs> yeah. no. But um, like we we talk about the Reds, like if if we uh, if we believe the hype. And and to me, I, I haven't been seeing much of Bunavalu because I wasn't really following league the last few years. Um, you know, if that guy goes out and scores six, seven, eight tries in this ten-week season, of which they have only eight games, um, you know, think about that. That's dragging the average score up by five to seven points. That's you know meaningful. So um, if you believe the hype, then you're basically giving the Reds. Um, you know, potentially a try on top of what they were scoring last year, and they were they were doing a pretty healthy job of putting points on last year too. So, um, I think there's definitely a top two and a bottom three. Betfair odds, grand final winner of Super Rugby AU, top of the Brumbies at two dollars. Then you have the Reds at two eighty. Waratahs in at third, eight dollars to win. Eight. That's then come the chance. Rebels and the Force at eleven dollars a pair. So they were equal to win the title in terms of odds at the moment. Um, so people are slightly, I guess they're slightly more bullish on the Waratahs' chances, but there's two clear, as we've said, there's two clear contenders here in the Brumbies and the Reds, and then it's the second tier for the rest, um, which I think, yeah, we just need a few weeks of rugby to probably reassess these these rankings. But I think the Brumbies and the Reds will be the standout teams this year I think the hard thing with this like small group of teams forming a competition like if you look at a a top a pro 14 or something like there's always going to be a couple of clubs on the rebuild right and you you know they're going to be weak that season but it's a process very few clubs sustain um, that high level of performance and success year in year out like the Crusaders are just insane and the I guess the All Blacks in a similar way, just insane. Every other club has had good and bad seasons up and down. Chiefs did it last year, had a had a horrible season and will be trying to find form again. For for the Australian competition with only five teams, it, it feels like it's it's not a high quality competition because you've got so many teams that are so obviously weaker than on paper at least than those top two teams. Um I guess we hope to be uh, wrong on, you know, I'm probably a little bit more pessimistic and critical on those teams. Like, there's still a lot of talented rugby players in those in those squads, and the the rebuilds will come fast. I think I, I probably maybe I have a little bit more faith in Rob Penny than Dave Wessels, so that maybe that's why I lean the Waratahs as well. Um, he's a bit more gritty. Wessels, I I, I don't know. I just in his final. I think year, also the Waratahs have a better roster. I think. Few more they, combinations there. I just think overall they have a better roster. But the Rebels, the Rebels could the Rebels could leap up a notch if Powell True. comes in and and just ignites yeah. things from nine and and suddenly the back line have more space because he's just, threatening. It's inside, the platform so. I think the Rebels lack, and they've yeah. lacked it for a while. And they, the problem is with the Rebels as well. Just quickly, they they change their roster so frequently year to year. You do have these high-profile names coming in one or two years, yeah. and they're gone. Luke Jones. And then you're readjusting. Yeah, they're the hot new ticket. Yeah. They don't get quite the success you're, success you're expecting, and then they're out the door, and you, you're trying to kind of reformat against another player. Like Matt Tamua might be gone next year, and then they're they're really going to have a massive hole there in the playmaking stocks. I guess um, the, my my sort of final point I was gradually getting to is I guess they're rebuilding but these games will still be exciting I think they'll still be um, quite interesting if you're, if you're also just on Wallabies watch all the time as well um, there's going to be players standing out there's going to be guys stepping up it seems like two to three of the five teams are going to be weak and people might not want to tune in for a Waratahs force game but I think those games will actually be some of the more open and exciting good rivalry game yeah, yeah, and and you know there's the, no the team Waratahs, that's terrible. The I don't Waratahs think there's rivalry games are always good. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's terrible. Last year, the Force were a step the below. Force kept themselves. But they, they kept did. themselves in a lot of games, and they were ahead yeah, in a they... couple of games. So that you never really knew what you were going to get, and then I guess you got let down a couple of times. You thought, these guys are just not yeah. up to it this week. The yeah. Force... yeah, I don't think that will happen as often. Yeah, the Force were in a lot sort of more competitive, and then they lost prior to injury, and it really damaged them, which I feel like this year, as we've said, the depth is really going to help them. I think we should leave it there, boys. It's always hard going through these teams before we've actually seen them out on the park, aside from some short sort of trial games out there. We'll be back next week with a bit more of a preview of what's going on. Any extra news that pops up surrounding any further injuries or signings or hopefully naming of some captains or squads, uh, make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram and on Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, Again, it's a new season. Make sure you check your uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you press subscribe on that button um, so you make sure that episode comes of us comes to you uh, every week, automatic download. And for those of you uh, watching through subscription services, remember that this year it's Stan, so it's moved. You won't get this. You won't get your rugby fix on Ko. You won't get it through Fox. That's all wrapped up. So you got your free-to-air games, one a week on nine. And if you want to watch the other Super Rugby games, it's going to be through Stan. There's some, I think it's an extra, no, not a sponsor, but it's like an extra $10 on top of your normal subscription. You have to actually activate that in order to get all the games. So correct me if I'm wrong, I think the nine is playing the Saturday night game um, each week. So if you want the Friday night football, you are going to have to get it through Stan. Yep. And that's not just uh, Super Rugby AU, but Super Rugby Aotearoa, the Super W competition, and some of the club competitions as well as some of the, and the internationals. Wallabies. Yeah, internationals yeah. coming later in the year. So Stands plenty the one of content on there as well. Well done, boys. Nice, nice ease back into 2021. It's going to be a big Look year. Cobwebs. Big year. All right, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep on running. Run.